Grace and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to his chosen one, to his Messiah, to Cyrus, whose right hand I've grasped, to subdue nations before him, to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him, that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze. I will cut the bars of iron, and I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes of secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel. This is a prophecy, a prophecy. But here's what's cool. It's a prophecy about Jesus, yes, in part. But what's it a prophecy about? It's a prophecy about Cyrus. Have you ever heard of a guy named Cyrus, a king, a king of Persia? His name was Cyrus. This is a prophecy from Yahweh through his prophet Isaiah about how God was to end the exile. So remember, in the scriptures, there are a couple key events. So in the Old Testament, the key event of proof of God's steadfast love, that he never stops loving his people, is that he delivered them from Egypt. Right? So when he introduces himself, he'll usually say, hello, nice to meet you. I'm Yahweh. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, who delivered you out of Egypt. That's who I am. I'm the God who led you out of Egypt. I delivered you. I picked you up and took you out. You were slaves. I set you free. And I delivered you from Egypt. And then he gave them their own land, right? And they occupied it. They had kings. And he said, as long as you follow my old covenant, you obey my commands, you will enjoy this land flowing with milk and honey, right? And then they stopped. They stopped hearing his word. They stopped obeying his commands. And so he took it away from them. And they went into exile in Babylon. And they were under King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And here in Isaiah, we get this prophecy of how God, just like he did, just like he delivered his people out of Egypt, now he's going to deliver his people out of Babylon. But you, like the Jews who heard this the first time, should hear this reading and go, What are you talking about? I understand, Lord, that you're going to have an anointed one, a Messiah, a chosen one. But Cyrus? King Cyrus is not a king of Israel. He is not a king of Judah. He is not a son of David. 
He's the pagan Gentile king of Persia, an ancient enemy of God's people. He's not circumcised. He doesn't read Torah. He doesn't meditate on God's Torah day and night. He's a pagan. And he's going to deliver us from Babylon after 70 years of exile. Well, God's trying to show us that it's not who he chooses, but that God himself can seemingly choose anyone to do what he wills, right? Think of that guy Saul who persecuted Christians and then God said, he's mine, he's my instrument. I'm going to use him to preach to the Jews but also to the Gentiles, right? And so even though God's ways may look strange or mysterious, right? God always fulfills his promise I'm going to deliver my people. So if you could look at verse 2, there's a very specific promise. God says, I'm going, I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze. I will cut through the bars of iron. Right? And so God's going to go ahead of Cyrus. He's going to topple over pagan worship sites. He's going to break through Babylon's bronze doors that were so famous. He's going to break open the bars of iron, one of the hardest metals back then, right? And he's going to free his people from exile. Babylon would have been known as the most secure place in the world. I saw a really creepy billboard when I was driving to Midway Airport two days ago. And it was for a secured reinforced door that locked above to the side and to the bottom. And it said, peace of mind. Isn't that something? That's the place that we live in. That's what people want to buy and get peace of mind. Well, in Babylon, they had bronze doors. Bronze doors, not wooden ones. They didn't have a gate that went like this. They had bronze doors. You couldn't take, you know, the, you know a big tree that you cut down and slam them open because they were made out of bronze. And that's where God was going to go and rescue his people from. It didn't make sense. And by the way, you can still go see those bronze doors because they're now in a museum in Berlin, Germany. I've seen them. And yeah, they're mighty, but how the mighty have fallen. God brought Babylon to nothing. And now they're in a museum in Berlin for us to look at because they're cool. Right? They're conquered. So King Cyrus, the Persian, he is what verse 1 calls the Lord's anointed one. 
And yes, that word in Hebrew is Meshuach, right? Messiah. The one that they've all been waiting for. The chosen one. But King Cyrus is a lowercase m, Messiah. He is a lowercase a, anointed one. Yes, he is a savior sent by God, but merely as an instrument to save his people in this historical case. He's the one Yahweh has chosen to fulfill his will. And the Pharisees and the supporters of King Herod, they wanted to know, right? Yeah, we've had King Cyrus, but he wasn't a Hebrew. He wasn't a son of David. There's this guy, Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, it's a weird town to be from, but he's a son of David. He's a Hebrew. Everyone loves Rabbi Jesus. Is this Messiah? But they didn't want it to be so because they had an inkling that Jesus didn't care whether Romans were in control or Greeks or Babylonians or Persians or Hebrews because his kingdom was not of this world. And so they tried their best to scheme and to trap Jesus in his own words. Good luck, right? Because when you make God's word your shelter, you're indestructible. You can't argue with God. And so why not make his words your words? You'll be unstoppable. They come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, Rabbi, should a faithful Jew pay taxes to Caesar? Nobody likes him, right? I don't know if you know who Wesley Snipes is, but he didn't pay taxes to Caesar for like a decade, and they got him, right? right? But he's a hero. He's a hero of many, of many Americans, right? So Jesus, should a faithful Jew pay taxes to Caesar? Right? And so what they're trying to get happen, right, is to get Jesus to say yes or no. Right? And that's usually what happens when you ask a question. If Jesus says yes, it means Jesus is fine with the Roman occupation of Israel and that we're going to get everyone to hate him. Right? We're going to force him out by popular vote. Get out of here, Jesus. You don't like what we like. You don't want to do what we want to do. Get out. But if Jesus says, no, don't pay taxes to Caesar, ha, 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 he's a revolutionary. He's treasonous. Let's report him to the Roman authorities and they'll kill him. They'll kill him for us. Just what we wanted. So are you surprised when Jesus doesn't answer their question? I'm not. All right. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. He's taking his own advice. He gives them a non-answer. He says, bring me one of your Roman coins. If you look at your, the cover of your bulletin, I have the Roman coin. An artist's 
drawing of it so that it's easier to read on a bulletin cover. But yes, they have these from archaeological digs. And what they brought him was this denarius. So a day's wages, right? So you'd go dig a ditch all day and then they'd give you a coin. Thanks. Right? Here's a denarius. And on it is an image of Caesar. So that's Tiberius Caesar on the front. Check out the nose. That's a Roman nose. Right? And an inscription in Latin. It says, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine father Augustus. And on the other side, it says, Maximus Pontificator, high priest. So let me give you a little bit about Roman religion and why you would feel sick to your stomach living in the Roman Empire. So the Caesar or the current emperor His title, one of them, was the divine son of the father, right? Because every time an emperor died, his dad, he became the god. He became God the father, all right? And what the son wanted to do was honor the father while also innovating, being the son, right? And so he would command everyone to worship his dad, but also to honor him as the son of God. All right? And that is daily life in Rome. Before you went to work, you'd go maybe make a a small sacrifice or throw some grain before a statue of the emperor's dad, the God who's watching over you and protecting you, and maybe a little bit to the current son of God, Caesar, on the throne. He would bless your business, right? Because if you kept showing up to do that, it meant you were a good citizen. And so people would come to your bakery, right? They would buy cars from your car lot. They would come to your mechanic shop. You'd have a better chance of getting hired in a job interview. They'd say, oh, I saw you at the Imperial Colt. Yeah. You don't just give a grain offering to Caesar. You give goats and sometimes a cow. You really are a good citizen, right? And this is exactly what Jesus, yes. The Pharisees, yes. Your average Hebrew man or woman on the street, yes. They hated about the Roman occupation. Above all else, right? There's power games, yeah, but they desecrated and blasphemed the name of Yahweh, worship of the one true God. But man, oh man, was there financial and social blessing to be found in worshiping the gods of the world. And that was why it was hard to follow Jesus back then, right? We think it would be easy, right? We think it would be easy. We'd go sit at his feet and listen to his teaching. But would we? Why would we want to be associated with that guy? 
When people find out I'm a follower of Jesus, I don't get the job interview. When people find out I follow Jesus and I don't pinch the incense or whatever to Caesar, they don't come to my car lot. So I need to count the cost of following Jesus because it's a heavy price to pay. Sometimes my kids don't talk to me because I follow Jesus. Sometimes my parents disown me because I follow Jesus, right? It was hard to follow Jesus. But the Pharisees want a clear answer. Jesus, just tell us, come on. Are you claiming to be Messiah or not? Are you going to throw off the Roman oppressors? Are you going to support the Roman oppressors? We need someone to rescue us, to deliver us from these guys. Are you the Lord's anointed? Are you the chosen one? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? But with a capital C, with a capital M, with a capital A, are you the one? And so Jesus gives a non answer. He doesn't say yes or no. He says, Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Whatever belongs to Caesar, he can have it. But give to God the things that are God's. You Pharisees, by using these coins with this graven image of a false son of God, you acknowledge that this false son of God has authority over your life. Shame on you. That's what Jesus says. And that cuts me to the heart. Because what do I use? What do I put on my TV? What do I spend my time doing with my family that shows what has authority over my life to the world? Because guess what? I'll have to pay those authorities their due for the financial and social blessing that they give to me and my family. And that's a hard word. But who is holding the coin that bears Caesar's image? The true son of the divine father. The true high priest of his will. And that father's will is that people make his son, Jesus, Lord of their life. Simply put, render to God the things that are God's. He is due everything that we have, our bodies, our souls, our heart, our life, our power, our joy, our honor, our money, because he created everything. He's the Lord of all things. He's the fountain of life from which things flow and back to which they go. And that's what's so wonderful about reading the Bible, is yeah, this prophecy is about Cyrus, but who else is the Lord's anointed, whose right hand he's grasped to subdue nations before him, to loose the belts of kings, to open doors, to open gates, and make sure they don't shut. 
who goes before us to level high places, to destroy idols of our lives, to take away things that we replace God with, who breaks doors of bronze in our life and breaks us out of our prisons. Cyrus did that for Jews a long time ago, but Jesus Christ does that every day for you. Because he wants to do his Father's will. And he loves you. And he finds joy in doing it. But that means that if you live under Jesus, if he has authority in your life, it means your life looks different, right? You have to turn off certain things in your house. You have to say no to certain clubs and say no to certain sports. You have to say no to gossip. You have to say no to trying to be better than your neighbor. Because Jesus is the unexpected Messiah. He's the one that the religious authorities didn't want, but what the people craved. The one who was chosen by Yahweh to accomplish his will, who smashed the iron bars to deliver you from your sin, your old way of life, who broke down bronze gates to deliver you from death and pulled you out Easter Sunday morning. And when you fear death, delivers you even from that. Because you know that to all who call on the name of the Lord, he gives life eternal. He has brought you out. He has delivered you out of the kingdom of darkness and into his kingdom. So that you would enjoy his peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace which friendship with the world simply cannot give you. In Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Deliverer's name, and for his sake. Amen.